Welcome to the Defense Tech Podcast. I'm Civilian Sydney, and I want to welcome you back to Season 2 of the podcast. For those of you that are new here, the premise of this podcast is to dive deeper into the inner workings of government innovation through conversations with real innovators, including experts in contracting and security, tech performers, key government players, and more. As the name implies, I'm a civilian with no military or government experience. My mission for this podcast is to gain a holistic understanding of the challenges and solutions in defense tech contracting today. This is our first season on Spotify, so if you're listening on Spotify, we're so excited to have you, and note that our episodes are also available with video on YouTube. So I'm excited to get this new series kicked off. We are going to be going beyond borders to explore the role of space in U.S. defense. I'll be talking with experts in different corners of the space industry to gain a holistic understanding of the biggest threats in space right now, challenges and solutions in defense contracting, and the DoD mission for defending the U.S. space domain. Through conversations with real DoD innovators, Season 2 will provide expertise on all things space technology, from history and development of Space Force to tips and takeaways for startups who are looking to get DoD funding. I've got a really exciting lineup of guests for this series, so I hope that you will follow us on Spotify and YouTube and stay tuned over the next few months. Without further ado, I would like to introduce our first guest, Melissa Owens. Melissa Owens serves as a project manager for Digital University Labs, as well as a member of Omni Federal's space business development team. She transitioned from active duty military service to Omni Federal six months ago. Ms. Owens gave 25 years of service to the DOD, with 22 years in the Air Force and three years in the Space Force. Her experience includes strategic leadership, program, and project management, as well as human capital management, intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance, defensive and offensive cyber operations, and special operations. During her military time, she led the Cyber Mission Force transition under one unity of command for 16th Air Force, and stood up the USSF Seoul Service Intelligence Center at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. I hope that you enjoy this episode with Melissa Owens. Hi, Melissa. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you for having me. So can you start by walking us through your background in the military, what your scope of work was, and what branches you were involved in? Yes, um, so I served 25 years in the military, um, 22 in the Air Force, and the last three in the Space Force. Um, I was Intel by trade, specifically SIGINT, um, but I also had assignments in cyberspace um, training and special ops as well. Oh, very cool. So you're retired now, you said? Yes. Cool. And as I understand, you're now at Omni Federal. So Omni Federal is a member of the Space Enterprise Consortium, or SPEC, which is managed by NSTXL. Would you mind sharing with us? A little bit more about Omni Federal, what the company kind of does in general, and and how you ended up there too. Sure. Um, so Omni Federal was created in 2017 to basically bring modern methods, practices, and technology to the U.S. government. It supports software factories um, and is what actually one of the largest support to software factories um, across the DoD. And there's kind of like three areas that we focus on. One is Digital University. Um, it's a training platform for Air Force and Space Force to upskill their Airmen and Guardians. Um, a tool called user experience measurement that ensures applications and systems are easy to use and meets customers' needs. And then also a tool called ACDC, which is a mobile app that ensures easy and secure logons, as well as capabilities to expose, connect, and prepare data um, for further automation using implementation of AIML through DAS. Very cool. Did you say it's called the ACDC? 
It is called Easy Breezy. That is awesome. Can you explain a little bit more about that? Is that part of kind of the education tool or is that separate? Not, it's separate. Provides AIML through like desktop as a service um, Mm -hmm. in a way of delivering like complete virtual desktop environments for users. Very cool. Okay. I only understand kind of part of that, but I think I'm tracking. (laughs) So who are your, like the main kind of base of your clients? Is that all government or who, who all uses like these, the software? It's mainly to the DOD. So across army, air force, space force, um, coast guard, Navy, um, we kind of have customers across all of the DOD platforms. Okay. Very cool. So before we kind of get into the weeds on what Omni Federal provides, I'd like to ask more about your transition from civilian life after you retired from the military. Congratulations, by the way. Um, I imagine it's a pretty stark contrast. Like now you have to pick out your own outfits and make a LinkedIn account and everything. How is that transition going for you? And how did you end up at Omni Federal? So I would say the transition is going well. Um, I do miss the people. Um, Omni Federal is a completely remote company, so we work from home. So the only connections I make is over the screen through a computer. Yeah. So the day-to-day, yeah. like connecting with people and and talking with people, I, I do miss that part of the job. But my you know, my outfit attire is actually a little bit easier. <laughs> you know, I can work. I work from home, so um, yeah. it's mostly leggings and you know an Omni T-shirt, a sweatshirt. Um, so not much harder than the uniform transition. But as far as how I ended up at Omni, I actually had a close friend slash mentor of mine who knew of Omni Federal and also mm-hmm. knew that I was transitioning out of the military mm-hmm. and knew my Space Force, Air Force, Intel kind of background and the leadership skills I had. So he connected me with mm-hmm. Omni Federal and I interviewed with them. Um, and, appeared, you know, I guess they liked <laughs> the background that I had and the skills that I brought. So they mm-hmm. brought me on. That's awesome. I guess I didn't ask before. What's what's your title? Like, what's your specific role? Um, so I'm, I'm kind of dual hat. I'm, I'm a project manager, but I'm also working business development. Okay. Super cool. Um, and I guess going off of that, I'm curious, like other than just the practical things, picking out your outfits and stuff like that, how is it now working like as a civilian at a startup? I don't know if Omni Federal would still be considered a startup, but like career wise, how has that been like different for you and some of the transferable skills maybe? Um, so I think for a lot of the military, it's hard to fit, translate, especially from like a leadership role, what your actual skills were. I think a lot of yeah. us say project management because we led people, we led projects. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as, you know, the transition to like civilian life, um, it's just different. I think it's cool to learn the other side of it from the military side. You heard of contracting and you heard of, um, you know, working with vendors to to kind of solve some of the pain points we had um, because we didn't have either the skills or the people to do it. But mm-hmm. I now being on the other side, it's it's really cool to see kind of the other side and then put the two together um, and mm-hmm. have an understanding of how it all works. Yeah, that is super interesting. But you have a very holistic kind of understanding now. Um, so that kind of moves into my second question about your role at OmniFederal. So what is the scope of your involvement in security efforts at Omni? I know you touched on that a little bit, but I'm wondering if you can expand on how you're involved in that. Um, yeah, so I've had a couple of different roles since I started with Omni. Um, I think the one great thing about our company is they truly believe um, on finding where you fit best. So they kind of let you mm. talk to the different areas we have because we have cyber, we have 
um, Space Force, Air Force. We have our digital university platform. Hmm. Um, and so they, they let you figure out where you, where you fit best. And so when I started, I worked with the cyber team um, and helping identify um, vulnerabilities within applications before they actually got certified um, to field. Um, and got put onto a DOD network. So we would make sure that all the vulnerabilities um, were resolved and that they weren't a risk to the government by putting all these applications onto their network. Gotcha. Okay, that definitely explains some. So, and you mentioned kind of the education and the courses. So my understanding is that it's an education base that provides DOD clients. And I think you mentioned before, like 38,000 some courses. So can you tell us more about, I know you said DOD, but who specifically is utilizing the courses and maybe some of the most popular ones that they take? Yeah, so I actually went back and looked to like verify what our current load is. Um, so D, um, Digital University is a platform that has um, 42,000 courses across eight vendors. And so the vendors include like Udemy, Pluralsight, Coursera, DataCamp. Gotcha. Um, and some of our current customers are the Space Force, Air Force, mm -hmm. Army, Coast Guard, mm -hmm. NSA, NRO, NGA. Um, mm -hmm. Those are like our major ones. There are also mm -hmm. other that have like maybe less people on the platform, but still use it. Um, okay. I, I would say our most popular courses include stuff about data science, software development, cloud computing, artificial intelligence, and big data analytics. So kind of like the big digital engineering stuff that's been the big talk of what's going mm -hmm. on to better automate things to allow, you know, the gov the DOD and the government to look to get after other mission areas while automating some of the easier things, right? So it trains on some of those things and allows them to train airmen, guardians, soldier sailors mm -hmm. um, to get after these skills so that um, they can work towards automating and improving processes. Interesting. So is it all types of people kind of taking these courses or is it just like higher level? Like I'm I'm wondering if any of the like men and women on the ground are taking courses like this, like the actual warfighters. Yeah. So, I mean, DU has courses from the very basic level to intermediate to advanced. And then we also provide like a top level overview, say like, hmm, I've heard of this thing called cloud computing, but I don't really know where it, what it is. Mm -hmm. We have a top level overview course that kind of just gets you smart on like what it means and kind of the basic okay. level definition of it, um, but doesn't go into the weeds. Okay. Okay. So Super interesting. Anyone from like the boots on the ground, like, hey, I want to learn how to code, but I've never coded before to um, I have code mm -hmm. experience, but I want to like improve my coding skills. We have all of that. Oh, gotcha. So after someone takes one of these courses, what are kind of the next steps? Like how else can they utilize the platform? Is there like certification or degrees, things like that? Yeah, so m kind of multiple ways. So for the Air Force and Space Force, we're connected with their um, program of record for training, which is called My Learning. So every time okay. they take a course and they complete it, it is actually their course completion is sent to My Learning um, and it's tracked in their military training record. So for them, they can see all of the training training that they have. Um, we are currently working with the university to get the courses at NDU accredited um, mm. that is scheduled for um, the fourth quarter of this year. So hopefully by the end of the year, um, military members will be able to get accreditation for the courses they take um, and then use those towards their college degree. Um, additionally, the platform includes multiple certification prep. So we don't actually provide the test, but we provide the boot camps and the preparation for it. Um, some of the like most popular are project management, scrum mm -hmm. master, um, mm -hmm. certified information system security professional, so SysP, Network Plus, Security Plus, and Cloud Plus. 
Um, there's a few more in there, though, but those are the most popular. Very cool. Um, and not only that, like, we've also had organizations that DU allows you to create your own content and upload hmm. that content that you created into DU. Um, and then if you want to develop a training plan with the content you've created, you can take that along with courses that are in DU and create a full learning path that includes your created content and the courses that are in DU. So let's say there's like one of the Space Force Deltas who wants to get their people smart on artificial intelligence. Hmm. They can pick the 70, 76 artificial intelligence courses in DU um, and develop a training plan for their people um, on that topic. Um, and then see and track the progress of where all their people are and who's taking what courses. Oh, wow. Cool. Almost sounds like a sounds like a certification program, um, but it's just like self-made. Yes. Nice. So how would you say this educational database contributes kind of to Space Force efforts in securing the space, the U.S. space domain? And that's like a much broader, larger question. But I'm wondering about how you see it in the big picture of security. Um, I mean, so the Space Force is using Digital University to ups to do upskill training. So basically, mm -hmm. this means um, some of the areas I've mentioned, they're teaching their people on cloud computing, AI, ML, coding, um, network and security operations. Um, and they can take these courses anytime, any place from mm -hmm. anywhere. So okay. once they sign up for DU, they can log on to it from their cell phone, their laptop, their tablet, um, and then take these tra training. So once they do that, like the Space Force can, then, can then take their people. Um, the guardians that have taken this training um, and use those skills um, to help solve pain points within the Space Force, mm -hmm. um, improving applications, automating processes um, in order to focus on more dire tasks um, and improve current and functionality of systems and processes, right? So a lot of the Space Force stuff um, and platforms are kind of old and outdated and they're, they're mm -hmm. currently working to update things. So um, in order to do that, they need to automate stuff um, and allow for personnel to work on these systems and and improve skills. Um, so all of that like mm -hmm. allows Space Force to like better secure the space domain um, and improve cap capabilities. Yeah. So it sounds like it makes it really easy to kind of have access to these courses and the education too. Like you said, like being on your cell phone, whatever you can like do quick learning when you need to. Correct. They don't have to send them like TDY to another location to actually get the training. Mm -hmm. They can anywhere. Gotcha. Sweet. So I want to kind of like shift gears a little bit. I imagine that as a high ranking woman in the Air Force, as you were, and for a little bit in the Space Force, you may have had more than a few experiences being the only woman in the room or on your team. Um, would you mind sharing a little bit about if you've had any experiences like that and what it's been like for you? Sure. Um, so I mean, probably more than a few times I've been the only female mm -hmm. in the room mm -hmm. at meetings, um, on deployments. Mm -hmm. Um, and I would say probably when I was a younger airman, I, it was intimate. I was probably a little bit intimidated by it. Mm -hmm. Um, but the longer I was in it, I think it just became the new normal. Um, yeah. it gave me the opportunity to earn the respect of my male counterparts, mm -hmm. um, while also hearing their perspectives. Um, and I also think it was beneficial to them to see that, like, especially in the highly like male dominant, like career fields when I was in special ops, like that women bring can bring value to the discussion. Yeah. Um, and allow me, me to earn the respect. Um, but I also think there's still a long way to go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I think we need to still continue to get better at recruiting like into these career fields um, yeah. and bringing women to the table um, and also allowing women to see themselves right in, in mm -hmm. these roles. Yeah, more representation. Correct. 
yeah, I was wondering too, if you have any thoughts on, um, or tips maybe for, for the high ranking men, you said, because it's majority them tips for them to be more inclusive to women in those spaces. Um, I will say, say, I think like the push of like equal opportunity over the years has kind of made it like less of an issue, but there are mm-hmm. still like a handful of males out there who think that, you know, women don't belong either in the military or in mm-hmm. certain career fields or certain roles. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just think like having males like say, speak up as well when they see something like that happening, right? When they see mm-hmm. males make comments about, you know, you know, I think the common ones are what does she know or what does she bring to the table or yeah um and, and just correcting those behaviors right and hmm. and treating everyone with respect in that we all bring something different to the table we all have diverse opinions and perspectives and come from different backgrounds so um I think just making sure that like everyone is being inclusive you yeah. know from that perspective. yeah why do you think it's so important to get more women involved like especially in higher ranks um so when I was in the first time I saw a female E9 in my career field, when I was in, that's when I was an E7. So I had been in for 12 years before I saw the first female chief in my career field. Yeah. Um, and so I just think it's important for us to like, to see like women and be able to see ourselves in those roles, right? Like if we don't ever see other women in those roles, like do we think we can have those like and hold mm-hmm. those roles right like yeah. i think women kind of sometimes discredit themselves or or think that they can't make it to that level um and so just bringing women in and, and pushing them to to those roles and promoting and um i think it's important i think we break barriers i think we bring a diversity and opinion and perspective and um in in all of those ways yeah absolutely um, so yeah, thank you so much for sharing. Um, I guess I'll, I'll flip gears a little bit again. I'd love to get your opinion on where the U.S. government is at right now in terms of secu- security and space. Um, just like your take on how you think things are going and what the biggest needs are for technology for space defense. Um, so one of the biggest reasons, well, not one of the biggest reasons, but one of the reasons why the Space Force was stood up was to prepare for the for a future war in space, right? Mm-hmm. Um, against a great competitor like Russia or China. Um, with that being said, there's still um, a lot of things in space mission areas that are old, outdated, and in need of updating. Um, so currently, the Space Force is in kind of a mad dash to update systems and find technology that will help them improve. Um, and allow for increased launches and automate mission areas so mm-hmm. that they can get after that and, and protect space assets. Um, mm-hmm. So they'll need industry and academia to help improve these efforts. Um, additionally, the um, the U.S. cyber focus hasn't been on space assets. It's been on DOD networks and banking and power plants to ensure like those areas aren't hacked or aren't a focus of cyber. And now we have a new focus of space assets. Um, mm-hmm. So the space force also needs to, you know, grow its cyber force and hire cyber savvy technicians um, in order to help, like, with these efforts. Um, so the saying that, like, our next war might be in space, I hmm. think is very scary, but wow. also very likely true. Huh. That is crazy to think about. Um, yeah, I'm just, like, trying to process what that even could look like. Um, so... I guess I will ask, what do you think that would look like? What, how would that like be, how would that come about? Um, I think it's a lot of other 
like great power competitions, like I said, like Russia and China trying to attack our satellites and us finding abilities to counter those attacks um, and being able to also impact their ability to communicate through space. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we currently use space assets for GPS, for banking. If those are yeah. taken out, like trying to communicate long haul communications um, to our military forces across the globe, um, being able to use our banking systems, being able to mm-hmm. um, and get from point A to point B. Um, I think most people have come very reliant on like the GPS network to get from, you know, Michigan to Florida without using a GPS, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, if those were all taken out, like we would be significantly mm-hmm. impacted. So like, yeah. and that's what a war in space would look like is them taking out space assets that impact our ability to communicate, um, to use the things that are important for every day-to-day life and um, mm-hmm. our financial institutions, all of that. Um, and again, like the war would be uh, us preventing them and from attacking mm-hmm. our assets us being able to countermeasure um, our own attacks if needed. Yeah, absolutely. Man, I'm just imagining my life without Google Maps. I would be in big trouble. (laughs) Or, I mean, even the capability to use your cell phone and get in contact with people. Yeah, right. I mean, I think pretty much everyone is connected to a cell phone these days. Yeah, yeah, I think everyone is. So how can people get involved with Omni Federal or with some of the, the stuff you provide? Um, so Omni Federal is obviously constantly hiring because we're growing like crazy. So um, if there are people who have skills like software engineer, UI, UX, um, or, or IT system engineer experience, we're always looking to hire. Um, we also partner right. with multiple other companies um, to help the DOD uh, tackle pain points. So if there are companies who think that they could add to add value to what we do and, and want to partner with something, we constantly partner um, with other companies to, to be able to bring an innovative approach to solve these pain points. Um, and finally, um, OmniFederal is involved in the DOD SkillBridge program. So mm-hmm. we bring on transitioning military um, in, into OmniFederal as an intern, allow them to learn some skills and um, potentially hire them on for full time at the end of the SkillBridge program. Oh, that is very cool. Sweet. Well, I've learned so much and I'm just excited to put it all to use. Thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for for taking the time um, to talk about these topics today. Yeah, absolutely.